Okay, today is a, a, a bit of a different and, but special and unique day for us. Uh, some of you, especially if you're new here, you know that, uh, let me just give you a quick update. We had sent a team over to Bombay for about 10 days. Uh, in the city of Bombay is a huge issue of human trafficking in the red light district of Bombay. Some estimates have from 70,000 to 100,000 girls and women are trapped in the prison of sexual slavery in bondage to human trafficking and forced prostitution. And so into that world and into that city, we sent a team partnering with an organization called Bombay Teen Challenge that Jim and Lena presented the church with. And so through that partnership, we ended up sending uh, a team of doctors and nurses and some IT folks to go for 10 days and to set up a clinic in the red light district and work with some of the children who were rescued and the women who were rescued. And so today is a great and special day for us and that we get to hear back from them. We sent them, we prayed for them, we commissioned them, and as they went, now we get to hear the return from their trip and the stories and share in that with them. My hope for you this day is that as you hear them, the gospel we proclaim would become real to you as you hear it intersect with real lives. One of the ways that we see that this gospel that we read about on the pages is alive and has power and works is when we see it interact with human lives. And when you hear stories of how the gospel is redeeming the most broken and hardest places and the most ruined of lives, and you see how God is bringing redemption, hopefully it'll fan in your own heart a new love for Jesus, a new need for Jesus, and a desire for his gospel in your own life. I hope that today you'll hear that Jesus is alive and at work in the hardest and worst places, redeeming some of the most ruined lives so that you'll have hope for what he can do even among us and in your life. And if Jesus can do that there, we would have great faith that Jesus can do this here. I hope that today you'd also hear of your own need for Jesus as you see how he is redeeming uh, those in another part of the world. And for all of us, especially if you belong to Christ, I hope that today would be a day that encourages your own call to mission again. You have been called to mission, some of you to the overseas and to the ends of the earth, some of you right here, but all of us have been called on mission, and hopefully you'll be renewed and reminded of that call again today. Lastly, my hope for us today as we hear some of the folks from the team share is that you might be reminded of the power of prayer, right? We're working through a series on prayer. That's what we've been preaching through for the last three or four weeks. And deep down in all of our hearts, we've got this sneaky suspicion, does prayer actually work? Does it actually do anything? Does God actually accomplish anything because we pray? And so one of the things I want to encourage you today is we're getting to hear and see that prayer works that God hears prayer and responds to prayer. Before the team left, we preached from 2 Corinthians 1, the chapter I just read for you, and we highlighted verse 11. Just hear that verse again. Verse 11 said, You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Hear that one more time. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. And we said on that day that they who are going are being sent by us who are staying, but us who are doing the sending are going to help them by prayer. And so one of the things I want us to hear today, the verse says, through the prayers of many, there was granted blessings on your behalf to them. And so today we're going to hear of the blessings granted through the prayers of many. You who stayed, help the team by prayer, 
And so today we get to hear of the blessings granted through your prayers. Does that make sense? Okay. So we're going to have each of these folks share. We're going to have a number of them share. I've told them three to four minutes. All of you can start doing this if they go over three to four minutes because we've got a number of them who will share. But hopefully as you hear them, you'll get a picture of this trip and what it is God has called us to be a part of. All right, Kostya will come and start, and then we'll go from there. Praise the Lord. Um, I just want to take this time to really thank all of you that um, were in prayer with us as we're on this trip, and also for the team that were obedient to the voice of God and to the call of God on their lives and went on this trip. Um, I, I could say that we actually felt the prayers of the saints whilst we were there both in the good times and in the tough times. Um, so thank you very much. Thank you for being obedient. Um, and personally, with me and Jamie going, this, this was the third time we've been to the, that area, Bombay Teen Challenge with the work. And this time was somewhat different. Um, we had already committed to going before we learned that um, Jamie is actually pregnant with our first child. So. You know, that threw in a little bit of a different consideration right there. And, um, but one thing, we, we stepped out in faith and said, God, if you are sending us, you know how to take care of your gifts that you're giving to us. It's not up to us to micromanage your gift. So we're going to step out in faith. And I can tell you that not once did she ever have any trouble. And yet she was working every day, serving and, and being a blessing and being blessed at the same time. And that was a great testimony for us. Um, being with uh, Dr. Prashant in 2007 and the doctor who works there and hearing his heart and sharing about the, the need for the medical team, the medical work to really grow and talking about how he's been in prayer and then seeing over the years how God has been really working and answering prayer as has been the, the um, talk for these um, last couple of weeks that it was very encouraging to know that we serve a prayer answering God. Amen? That God is at work in our lives even when we don't realize it. Even when we think we are uncertain of what the call is, as some of us might have been. But I would say that each person on that trip, each person needed to be there. And that was a great thing about this trip. Each person needed to be there. And God had called us to that work. And I, I just want to say, I just want to encourage the church. I want to encourage all those that went to that. God has swept us into a movement that is going on. And if you went on this trip, it wasn't by accident. And if you had it, wanted to go and couldn't make it, but you have an interest in going, maybe God is speaking to you. And maybe it's a time to pray and seek his face and know which part that God is calling you to onto this great work. And believe you me, I mean, the work is great. The need is great. And you may feel seemingly inadequate, but it's not, it's just your part that you can do. That changes a lot. Because God has called each and every one of us to that. And I just want to thank the team. And I just want to give it over to Jamie to also share experience. And one by one, we can really be able to capture exactly what was going on with each and every one of us to get a picture of what happened. Amen. Hello, everyone. Okay, so I was not a medical person or an IT person. <laughs> I was in my own category of, um, I guess, <clears throat> Bible studies and relationship building with uh, women, children, and even boys, teenage and small boys. So uh, great friends of mine named Kelly, who some of you were able to meet, 
Um, she is a children's pastor and singer-songwriter from New York City, from our church in New York. And she was able to join on this trip, um, which was an amazing blessing. She and I taught um, basically um, three to four part like conference style teaching to literally all the populations at Bombay Teen Challenge. So those were teenage girls, um, teenage boys, older women, aunties, and small children. So this was a teaching style that basically they weren't really used to. They were um, exploring the word of God in a new way that um, included you know, creative expression and working in groups and discussing the word. And it was really unique. It was very different, even different than I had experienced the last two years or the last two times we went um, to India. So that in itself was just mind-blowing to be able to see you know, these young people experiencing the Lord in a new way and being a part of that. <clears throat> and really just for me, going there the third time and you know, in this state of being, <laughs> I realized that I feel really at home in this place. I feel um, like I'm coming back. I'm coming home to people that I know and people that I love. And I just realized the Lord is doing something and he's actually making it better and better, richer and richer each time we go. And that's the power of returning to a place. You know, that's the, the impact of going back where you started. And when you do that, you, you're, you kind of cross different hurdles, different boundaries, less um, things shock you or, you know, your experience just becomes that much more, you know, impacting. So I, I just began to feel like, you know, me and Kashi, we're going to keep on doing this for the rest of our lives. We're going to keep on going to Bombay Teen Challenge. It's, there's never going to be a time where we're going to say we're done. Um, because God keeps calling us back there. And that's a joy and a privilege just to know that he's, he's sending us, you know, continuing to send us time and time again, and we're going to be ready to go whenever he sends us. Um, and when we're sowing into these lives and when I'm speaking to these girls that, you know, I met first when they were maybe 11 and now they're like 15 or 16, <laughs> it's powerful because they're growing in the Lord and they're deepening their relationship with him and they're powerful young Christians. These youth, this is where revival is, you know? So when we partner with them and we go to spur them on in their faith, it really impacts. Like, it's not in vain. It's, it's a trip worth taking because there's a lot to be done in the country of India, and we can't do it. They're going to do it. These, these young people are going to be the ones to change their country. And that's what just blows me away that, you know, God counts us worthy of helping him, you know, send his um, young people out to do the work in India. So it's just really super exciting to be a part of, and we're so grateful just to have found, you know, a body of like-minded people here at Seven Mile Road. Um, it's just God <laughs> that we'd find people that also want to partner with the place that we um, would want to partner with, you know, four years ago where the mission had started in our hearts and just to find more people with the same passion in the same city that we're living. So, amen. I think Larissa. Good morning. My name's Larissa. Um, this was my first mission trip, and I just want to say thank you to everyone that sent prayers for us because it was truly felt the whole time we were there. Um, I'm going to just talk briefly about an experience that I had on our first medical day, which was in New Mumbai, where we had um, 
we just arrived and we were getting kind of a debriefing in the medical clinic and we actually walked down through the red light, through this alleyway to a clinic. We were sitting in there and getting a debriefing and I'm like, we just drove an hour, I have to go to the bathroom. And it's just not the place that you wanted to have this need, but obviously it's one that's going to happen at some point. And they had told us that, oh, by the way, it's a community bathroom. And I just, my heart dropped, and I'm like, I don't even know how to do this. I'm in another country. Not, this is like my worst fear. So we spoke with, um, I let them know that, you know, hey, I need to use the bathroom. Can someone direct me? And they said, you know, Raj's mom, Raj was um, one of our guides on our trip, spoke with his mom, who was a previous madam who had been saved. She and Raj and her other son had been saved and pulled from the red light district, and were now working with Bombay Teen Challenge. She spoke with a brothel owner manager, we're not quite sure what her title was, but so she actually allowed me to come and use her private bathroom. And I thought, wow, this is really awesome. You know, I'm going in a brothel, this woman's opening up her, her place to me, like this is very, um, I just, I was, in, I was in awe. And so we, a, a group of us go, obviously women always travel bathroom in pairs and groups. So we traveled as a group to go to the bathroom. And when we entered, you know, the woman cleaned up the bathroom, I did my thing and I came back out. And here the, our group is saying, you know, by the way, she wants us to pray over her and to come and just the strangest ways that God works. We hadn't even started our medical clinic that day. We had just showed up, got a debriefing, and here we are all ready to start our day and already they're, they're asking to see God. They want to they wanna have the prayers of us and to get to know him more and just to feel him in his presence. And it was just such a, an opening feeling to say that, you know, your prayers to open their hearts were, were there. The prayers were there. And um, it was just an awe, awe-inspiring experience just to start our trip off in such a glorious way. And now I'm going to share with Chi Lu. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Jilu. I'm one of the non-medical members of the trip. I'm also not a member of Seven Mile Road, but I had an opportunity to travel uh, with the team from here, and it was an amazing experience. Um, my responsibility during the trip was photography, videography, um, and working um, with the team to help them with publications for the future. So. Um, the first day, um, just like Larissa was saying, we were in a clinic um, which is set up surrounded by these one-room shacks. And I would say it's not a shanty town, but it's probably like a one-step upgrade <laughs> to a shanty town. Um, and I got a chance to see these women, and I can't even say they're women, they're young, young ladies. They look older, but I find out that they're probably somewhere between the age of 12 and 17, and that was really scary <laughs> to think about, that they're so young. Um, and they're dressed like adults. They have full faces of just makeup, um, and they are calling out to men, telling them to come. And I watched one woman, and I was, because I had a chance to just walk around, I watched one woman service 20 men in a span of eight hours, and that just shocked me. Um, guys were just coming in and out. Um, so while we were in the clinic in the registration area, one of the BTC members uh, was standing there, and, and she was sharing an incredible story with me. One of the, these women 
actually came up to her and said, I want to get out of this. I want to get out. And she took that first step. And I actually got to witness it for the BTC worker to actually take that piece of paper and slip it into her hand and say, when you have a moment, when you have that opportunity, reach out and we will come take you out of this. And she pointed to this guy that was her pimp. And I looked at him and I'm like, this little tiny guy, like he's probably about this high and the size of a twig. Any girl in this room could probably take him. Um, <laughs> and I was like, how can this guy have such control over this woman? It's not even physically she could take him. But mentally and spiritually and in any other way, he has complete control over her life. And I was reminded that of Paul's word where it says our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is against the powers, the principalities, the rulers of darkness, and the spiritual wickedness in high places. And I was reminded then that there is a serious bondage in that area, and there is a serious bondage over Mumbai. And it is our responsibility as a church, as a body of Christ, to continue to pray for those workers at BTC that they continue to do the work of God, even if we physically can't be there, that, that we send our prayers to them, that they're able to save more and more of these women. Um, and also to pray even for the madams, the traffickers, the recruiters, even the clients, that this industry be stopped. Um, and that was the most powerful thing that could have happened to me, is I truly feel like my life was changed by seeing these women and I keep saying, I think I left my heart in Mumbai. <laughs> um, and I know that the calling is there, and I'm very thankful that um, Seven Mile you know, opened up this opportunity for me. God bless you all. I'm not a great public speaker, so I wrote everything down that I'm going to say. So I'm pretty much going to read everything that I'm going to say to you guys. Um, I'm, you know, I was Jalous and... Shibu's assistant, per se. I'm not a IT person, I'm not a teacher, I'm not a any of those. So I just went with them to help them to heard all these stories that I got to experience. So, okay, I'm gonna start reading now. So, uh, when we first met Uncle Dave Raj at Bombay Teen Challenge, so similar to Dennis, he's not here today, in the middle of the sermon, he would just randomly yell out, God is good all the time, amen. So. Then he would just ask us to repeat after him. So it is only fitting that I start sharing this experience about Mumbai and Bombay Teen Challenge, saying, God is good all the time. Amen. So when Najay asked us to share something about the trip, I had so many stories that were going through my head. What could I tell you guys that would paint a picture of what I saw and experienced in Mumbai? Should I share the story about the girl that kicked that got tricked into leaving her loved ones with hopes of a promising future, only to be held in captivity and raped on a daily basis till she lost all hope and self-respect and submitted to a life of prostitution? Or should I share the story about a child who at the age when kids should be kids chose to live on the streets of Mumbai because he couldn't bear the sight of seeing his mom getting raped and abused on a nightly basis? But after praying and asking God for guidance, he led my heart to think of what I thought about before I went on the strip. Before I went on the strip, I looked back at my own life and thought of all the instances that questioned or rocked my faith in God. 
You may think that's an odd thing to think about before going on a mission trip, but it just allowed me to think of all the times where I was down on my luck, but God helped me. So, both there were two instances that I would think that, you know, that questioned my relationship with God. Both times I remember being extremely angry with God and asking God why he abandoned me, why he was putting me through these situations, why he wasn't taking care of me. There were years that I prayed to God and, and I didn't build that relationship with him. When I did pray, it was more of like a chore as opposed to actually taking the time out to build that relationship with him. So even though I abandoned God, he never abandoned me. He carried me through my difficult times and restored my faith in him. So when I went to Mumbai, I didn't know, I had no idea what to expect. I knew I would see things and experience things I have never experienced before. But having gone through my life experiences, I thought I would be able to, you know, give back and give words of inspiration to these people. But as days passed, God totally blew that out of the water. So I heard stories after stories about kids who were five and six, whose parents had literally abandoned them on the streets. Met countless kids who were born into this world with HIV due to no fault of their own. Met moms who willingly, willingly, subjected themselves to getting raped on a daily basis so that their kids will be kept from harm's way. I could go on and on and on and on about these stories. These stories are horrific. And I could get into detail about these stories. But when I was in Mumbai and I was sitting in a room filled with kids, a child came up to me and I was listening to their story and he... And he, the, the child came, comes up to me and says, with a smile, he says, why are you crying after listening to their story? And tells me, God is good all the time. It puts a whole new meaning to faith and unconditional love. And that is what I needed to share with you all. That is what I got. And that is what Bombay Teen Challenge and everything that they're doing there. So sitting there, I thought to myself, I really have two instances that you know, that were the worst times of my life. These kids, moms, and even men have countless instances that they could have used as an excuse to hate God, not pray to God, to question God. Instead, they praised God, sang tearful songs of joy, praising and thanking their Savior for what he has brought them through and what he has blessed them with. So I went to Mumbai to help them, and I went to Mumbai to pray for them and comfort them. Instead, they prayed for me, comforted me and constantly reminded me through their words and actions that despite all the struggles and challenges I have gone through or anybody will go through in their lives, God's love is unconditional and carries us through the most difficult times in our lives. So now I know why Uncle Dave Rogers randomly says God is good. Because he's not good, he's just absolutely amazing. Thank you. Hi, I'm Jensen. Um, I'm one of the physicians Dr. went in for the trip and um, just want to say, again, I'm not a great speaker, and I have it all written down, too. <laughs> um, and this is my first mission trip. We've been both wanting to do this for a long time, um, my wife and Sheila and I. But again, family situations, I got to go alone this time. Um, I think she made the greatest sacrifice there, especially with the kids and my mom. But um, this trip was amazing. Um, it was definitely a blessing to get to go in so many ways. I 
witnessed the love of God in one example I can give you is with the kids. Um, starting out, I think, in the second day, um, like I was in Mumbai a day earlier with family, and the next day went to, on Sunday, on Sunday to uh, the church there, the local church, and the evening we went to Jeevan Jyoti and met with kids there. And the kids there were so filled with life, with joy of the Lord. They singing, dancing, praying, hugging us, welcoming us. Um, we went there twice, and I felt I get so attached to those children. So much love there that I've never sensed anywhere else. Like, I've, I've seen, like, with my kids, we love our own kids, but they, we were strangers, and they loved us like, like we were their parents. Like, hugging us, you know, talking to us so openly and sharing with us. So, um, they... I told them about my family, my kids. They gave me gifts um, and said, you know, this, we want you to give this to your children. They have their possessions put into a locker about, say, this big, but maybe two, three pairs of clothes and some stationery, and that's it. And from what nothing they have, they gave to us and, and me. And on the day we're leaving, there's a girl who actually um, came up and gave a letter. Um, she actually drew a rose and said, to uncle, and opened with a smile. Um, and basically, in the letter, I'll just, it's, it's a long letter, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but um, the gist of it is, um, thank you for coming to visit us. Um, I will always pray for you. And there's the three of them work together, uh, Esther, Rebecca, and Sandhya. Um, I will always pray for you and pray for your family and we'll miss you so much. Uh, thank you for all of you visiting us and sharing with us and loving us. God really loves you and everything is possible with God. He will answer all um, situations, all prayers. Um, and she gave me a verse too, Isaiah 40, 31. She's like maybe uh, 13, 14. And, and she wrote it out in Hindi, so I'm not gonna read that out. Um, but Isaiah 40, 31 um, says, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. All these children, um, most of them have their, maybe mothers there or their orphans, uh, with HIV or whatever else. And they are so willing to give. And I felt that, you know, and the, one more thing is this girl, actually this particular girl gave me a letter, was fasting and praying for us on that day of, of um, the church. She, because I, I asked her, why don't you get some tea? And she says, no, I'm, I'm, I can't. She's like, and I brought her again. She says, no, I'm fasting. And why? Because she was praying for us. Like, I met them twice. And she was fasting and praying for us so that we would be closer to God. We would have a life filled with his presence and spirit. So there's, you know, Nothing that can beat that for me. Um, I definitely going back. Will take my family and go back, and say that there's so much wonder and work God is doing, and we are so blessed to be a small part of it. Um, all this started because of one man giving up and surrendering his life to God. Uncle Devraj, he was picked up from Iran. He got saved in Iran. Came to, went to Lebanon, brought to Bombay, and. 
he just worked with these people and children, built that relationship because God worked in his life. There's no way this could happen and hundreds of people could be touched unless God worked it. So all praise and glory to God. And uh, thank you all for praying because this wouldn't have happened without you. So I thought uh, when I was thinking about even going on this trip, in my small little mind, I thought about how I'm going to be a blessing to others. And in reality, I've been blessed. Um, this has been the most amazing experience of my life. And um, I encourage everyone to, if you can, please go. Uh, so um, Ajay asked um, for each one of us to ex uh, share um, an experience that has really touched us. And um, I was thinking about it, and, um, and then it came to me. Um, I should share about uh, this young man. Um, but before I start, you know, I was reminded um, in Luke 12 how, how everyone is important and how God loves everyone. And even though um, you may feel forgotten, that God even knows the, numbers of, the number of hair that you have. So um, during our trip, we were um, paired with, or not paired, but like um, we had some guides with us, and they're young boys. And uh, one of um, uh, those boys, his name is Sandeep, Sandeep Miller, and um, I want to talk about him. So at a young age um, at, of six, he was telling me, and this is with his permission, um, uh, six years old, he... Uh, was in a family where his dad was an alcoholic and um, was doing drugs and he would get beat up on regularly. Um, his mom would get beat up on and it was just a bad family life. So he uh, befriended um, a couple of other boys, um, maybe not much older than he was um, at age of six. And um, he got on a train by himself and he came to Bombay. He, I think he lived in Delhi. And um, he got off on the train station and he could not find his friends who said that he would meet up with and um, he was one of those boys that, who was homeless. Um, he had no food, no clothes. He didn't even know how to get back to see his mom. Um, so he was wandering the, this, the platform of the train uh, for days crying all at the tender age of six. And he befriended uh, a band of uh, boys who taught him how to steal, um, beg, and, um, and then introduce him to drugs and alcohol all at the age of six. Um, so that was his life for the next four to five years. Um, he was begging, stealing, uh, doing drugs. He, rem he, to he told me one time that um, he was so drunk that he fell off the platform and hit his head on the train tracks. Um, he, he told me he was he felt hopeless. Um, he was scared all the time. He's been to prison a couple of times for stealing. Um, and then one of the outreach outreach workers of Bomb 18 Challenge found him and asked him to come if you know we'll give you food, shelter, um, someone you know uh, we'll, we'll go let you go to school. So he actually went to this orphanage. Uh, it was called. It, the place that we went to was called Jeevan Jyothi, but it was another name at that time. And um, he was there, and he actually left a couple of times because he didn't understand the rules and he didn't like to be tied down. Um, but eventually he stayed, and um, now he is... In 2007, he accepted um, Christ. He became baptized, uh, and now he's uh, in 11th grade uh, studying. He plans to go to college. 
Um, he's now working uh, with Bombay Teen Challenge in their office with video editing. And um, so he, he is an amazing individual. Um, he's so full of um, life. And I really hope that one day everyone can meet him. Um, and I'm thankful for everyone who prayed for us. Um, I ask that you continue to pray for the work that's going on um, at Bombay Teen Challenge. Pray for the, um, the outreach workers, the, the girls who've been rescued, the boys, and um, most of all, pray for the countless um, number of kids who are still wandering the streets with, with nothing. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Um, I'm going to try my best to do this in uh, two to four minutes. Uh, it's really hard after going through such an extreme trip of how to summarize uh, one thing in particular. Um, so we were in the medical clinic, and uh, after the very first day, we were closing up shop, and uh, I kind of just took some time out to just absorb the whole time and um, went off to the end, looked over to my left, and I saw one of the women who was actually trapped in sex trafficking and she was just in action. So um, she was there with her red lipstick on. I didn't know her, clearly I didn't know her name, but I just remembered her by polka dots because she was wearing a polka dot dress. And um, saw her in action as she beckoned to a man and saw him respond and then him actually bringing over a friend as well. So it was actually two men that went inside with her and kept on going, just kind of stirred over and I, I was pretty much was an emotional wreck the whole time, so at that time, tears were flooding down. <clears throat> and you could almost feel the heart of God just begin to break. And um, I just, all I wanted to do was just, especially as a woman, to just go and be like, you've got so much more worth than this, but it's just so much more complex than that. Um, and eventually she comes back out with the two men, and you know, the red lipstick is gone, the hair is up, and then he, the two men leave, and then she brings her hair down, fluffs it up, and does it all again. So that's pretty much one of the routines of every one of the women who are stuck there. Fast forward a little bit, um, we got to go to the ashram, which is the rehabilitation place for all the girls that they've rescued. And uh, I met this woman who was just, I thought was absolutely amazing. She inspired me, she motivated me. Um, she actually was a person like you and I. She was not um, caught up in the sex trafficking. She was just you know, one who was just serving and helping. But her background, I got a chance to interview her, and uh, she's a fashion designer. She could have made it big, and uh, she could have had an opportunity to go to Paris and uh, begin to live the glamorous life, live in the glitz and glamour, and pretty much be set for life. And could have been in that life where she could have just made it big. But eventually, she got saved, became a Christian, went to the ashram, they had a meeting there, and she felt the call of God. And God pretty much told her, give it all up. Give up everything that you have worked for to this day. Give it up because look around you. There are people dying and they need you. And she was just saying, but I'm just a fashion designer. What could I do? How could I possibly serve? And he was just like, the talents that I gave you was not to, for you to live on your own, for you to gain for your own, but it was for you to share. Um, and she used that. And she began to use that into the ashram right now where they actually built a shop. And uh, these women and now, so if you think of the girl who was 
you know, prostituting herself in the brothel, those girls like that are now rescued into that place. And this woman has chosen to use her skills and talents to uh, teach them vocational skills and teach them how to sew and to do something with their lives. Because a lot of them who are rescued don't know what to do with their lives afterwards because all they know is to service men and they don't know what else to do with their lives. So now this, this woman that I got a chance to talk to who's dedicated her life as a fashion designer, she's used that to, you know, raise these girls up to, you know, teach them some other skills. And um, at the end of it, I just, she taught me so much. Um, and I felt like a wimpy Christian after that, uh, that I just, I'm not doing enough. She just surrendered her whole life that even today it was a wake-up call that just how much more us Christians need to do with our lives and that we do need to wake up and that we do need to surrender everything that we have to give to whatever is around us and that this world is dying. And um, there's, we need to do every ounce that we can to kind of just reach out and do whatever it is that we can that the Lord has given us to just keep reaching and be those hands and feet for Christ. Um, and that, you know, when Christ resurrected, you know, that wasn't it. You know, it's, we were just supposed to continue on. So I, I, by the end of the, that time, I was just in tears and I was telling her, I was like, I think half of us girls are, you know, everyone else are just messed up here in America because we're all into the fads and what's new and what's expensive and we're always running after things that are just so chaotic and meaningless that you really put it into perspective and that, you know, that there is so much more that we actually do need to be doing instead of running after the little meaningless things. So um, I guess my, I, I hope this couple of minutes that I have to you was just to encourage you to just do something, you know, whatever it is. Um, it, it doesn't have to be through BTC. You can, of course, but through neighbors, through your coworkers, anyone that's around you, you know, just do whatever you can to continue to be the hands and feet of Christ. Thank you guys for your prayer. We couldn't have done it without you guys. Morning. <clears throat> so uh, I had the opportunity to go for uh, three weeks. Uh, my, the residency program had approved it for uh, as a medical rotation and uh, extremely blessed that, that uh, it came out and how it actually came out. Um, if I have to be honest, uh, two of those weeks, those first two weeks, and even prior to that, I came in with such a cold heart. Uh, because I knew mentally prepared, wow, this is what I'm going to get into, and uh, became extremely frustrated at, wow, this is the most craziest thing that we get to, that we're going into, and uh, <clears throat> so the week before the medical team had come, I spent time with Dr. Prashant just at the clinic and day in and day out, uh, seeing seeing these women, seeing what they were doing, seeing the children, seeing what they're doing, and. I couldn't say, you know, the emotions that quickly came in was, wow, this is just, if there's anything that would cause anger, this is it. Um, and, uh, you know, and just seeing it day in and day out and just being part of it, just seeing it, all right, and then being with, part, with Dr. Prashant uh, to, at that time, was only just to take care. We would take care, and when the opportunity arise, we would pray. But even in those prayers, my heart, were cold, my heart was cold as, God, this is just unbelievably just wrong. And um, coming into the last week, I remember uh, I'd come in, uh, we had seen, uh, we were in the medical clinic camp, we saw patients just one after another. Rather than go to lunch, one of the outreach workers had offered if we wanted to go in to one of the brothels in, um, in Kamatapura. So 
there's a vast difference between New Bombay and Kamatapur. Uh, in New Bombay, um, which much of this business had moved to, which Jilu had shared was, you know, it's just a very low, uh, one room shack, people you can, and it's clearly seen. Uh, you know, the girls are just out there. But in Kamatapura, these are almost like Philly row homes. Uh, many of them, especially during the day when we were out, you know, it's hard to see them unless you come out at nighttime when they all come out. But uh, one lunch during that camp, rather than eating lunch, and I'm glad I didn't, we ended up going to one of the, the brothels. And in fact, we followed I, I followed, I went into one of the ladies who I'd just seen, and I was seeing a series of older women, and it just hit me, I'm like, who are these older women? Um, they don't look like um, these young, uh, uh, the young workers, and they don't look like the madams who in fact take charge of them. So I had asked one of the, the outreach workers, I'm like, what's her story? She apparently is 55 years old. She has been uh, doing this for the past 40 years. She came in she, when she was about 14, 15, or 16, she was sold into this. And she was doing this for about 40, 50 years now. Now she is in a room in one of the row homes. I can't even, it, it's sickening where, because it's just enough for one bed. And that's all she has. Um, and that's where she services 15, maybe even 20 men a day. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, at that time, the, uh, this anger even further enraged. I was like, this is just unbelievable. And I'm reading about the Psalms, which I grew up on, of the Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. <clears throat> the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to, uh, slow to anger and abounding in love. And, and you would think, if there's ever a time that God needs to be quick to anger, now is it. Um, you know, Jilu shared, I shared the same sentiment as Jilu. I was like, these are puny little guys that are controlling them. And, you know, you just wanted a bat and go to town. Um, but, um, but that's not how God is working. Um, and praise God, it's not me uh, who's working. Uh, but, you know, after seeing that and experiencing just with her, um, we went uh, just two, uh, two houses down, and we had seen a, um, she was a madam, but she too is probably in her late 50s. Um, but she was an, a believer. Uh, she had come to know Christ, and she was a madam that had owned 12 young girls. And when I mean young, like so young that when you go into her trap room that she had, these were cages. These, like, they looked like chicken coops, just enough for these girls to be put in. And, uh, and I thought at this time, I'm like, even the, uh, the sermon that uh, we had heard prior to leaving and even what we had read today of, like, of how all of this has come together in terms of God's sovereignty and this whole thing of that he is comforting these individuals, even because I'm not there, but he's comforting these individuals by the ones that he's already comforted, that this is happening. And... And then it hit me again how big the gospel was. It's one thing, it's one thing to say the gospel just 
saves you and that you're saved, you're reborn, so that you would be reborn and you leave. But how big of a gospel to be saved and then stay right there and then preach and be part of it. And uh, so, and my heart broke to that. Um, and uh, I remember seeing, and then I remember even in Romans 9, I'm like, God is enduring with great patience. That he's not blind to this, that he's not, uh, you know, turned his head to this, that he's enduring this with great patience. Uh, so a time is coming and it's happening now. Uh, you know, uh, I, I was just thinking about uh, how, when, you know, uh, for the single guys and even for the married guys, when uh, you go buy a diamond ring, you know, the first thing they do is they put it on this black backdrop. They put that diamond in it. And when you see it in that, that diamond is so shiny. And I can't tell you how shiny the gospel was this trip. And there are so many facets to how good God is. And uh, he's working. He's doing it. And uh, praise God uh, that it's him that's running the show, not me. And, uh, but, uh, amen. Not a very good speaker. So one of two things might happen. I might either faint or cry. <laughs> so uh, let's hope for the latter. Um, I wasn't going to talk, but um, after hearing these guys, I felt kind of compelled to get share what I experienced there. Um, um, so along with Josh and the rest of the communication team, I was... Uh, I guess, helping to take pictures for uh, Rodney T Challenge. Jim has been asking me to go uh, for the last couple of years. Um, things have come up, finances, me just being scared. Um, uh, always got in the way. But this time, uh, with this group going up, uh, I felt compelled to go. Um, so I, I'll try to paint these pictures. I, I, I was hoping to show a slideshow, but uh, I'll try to describe to you guys uh, a couple of things that I saw. One of the most striking things was uh, our visit to Jeevan Jyoti. Uh, this was, um, the first trip was unplanned. Um, just the guys, we just went to get our phones recharged. Uh, we're just walking down the street, just kind of hanging out, went to get some coffee and whatever, just walking the streets. And all of a sudden, uh, one of the guys, Raj, uh, or somebody, one of those guys mentioned that, hey, we're near Jeevan Jyoti. Do you guys want to go? We're like, yeah, sure, we're walking. Oh, by the way, all this time, I have this 85-pound backpack on my back. So I'm sitting there walking, uh, cranky already, but we're on this huge street, well lit, a million cars. Um, we make a right onto this one street, gets a little smaller, a little darker, um, walk down a little further, make another series of turns. Each turn led us to a smaller, darker street. Um, at this point, none of us guys are talking. We're just scared. <laughs> walking down the street, and you see all these little kids um, living in these little, tiny little homes. Um, I guess during the day, these homes are shops or stores of some sort, but you see these little kids running in and out of these, at this time, they're, they're homes. Um, so small that they can't even cook inside. They have to cook out, outside, right in the streets as we're walking by, and then the, and the smell, it's just the smell of this human waste 
It's just sewage all around you. Walking down the street, and then we, um, all of a sudden, Raj turns into this, um, you see this big, rusty door and a small little doorway within it. He walks through that. We walk up these stairs to the fourth or fifth floor of this building. Again, I mentioned I was cranky. I didn't want to, I mean, walking up these stairs, um, we're exhausted. Walk up there and you see Raj, he leads the way. And all these kids out of nowhere just come running to him. Um, start hugging him and uh, we were just blown away. Um, all these kids just come out of nowhere. We go into this larger room. Along the one side of the room, there's probably about 15 bunk beds. The other side is just open space. Every single kid came up to us, introduced themselves, and they were so interested in well, uh, our stories. They just wanted to know about us. Um, I can't describe to you just the, the joy and love in these kids' faces. Um, the cynic in me wanted to believe these guys are taught or trained to be this way, to um, you know, welcome or just be just over, I don't know, to, to kind of show off. But seeing these kids pray blew that out of the water. Like when they prayed, you had to see these kids. It's as if they were the only kids on the planet. The, just the love in their face was just amazing. Um, anyway, so we're there. I tried to stay behind the scenes, just start to take pictures and, and whatnot. But uh, one by one, you just, I just turn around, I see these guys, and we couldn't contain it. We were just, you know, one by one, we just started bawling. I look over, I see one of the guys sitting in the middle of these kids and just bawling. I mean, the emotion in that area was just ridiculous. All these kids were just so loving. I see this one girl further off in one of the bunk beds, just by herself. She was the only kid that wasn't really coming towards us. And I, I just thought it was really strange. So I started taking, snapping pictures. And I just the story I made up about her was just really sad. I didn't really talk to her or anything. But I asked later on, you know, what's, what's going on with her. Um, one of the girls, uh, somebody said that she, uh, uh, she's not feeling well. And also, I think she's shy because she, has, uh, she doesn't walk very well or whatnot. OK, so that's that. So later on. A few days later, we go back with everyone else to Jeevan Jyoti. Um, and uh, just so happened to be my birthday that day as well. And every single kid um, just wanted to wish me happy birthday. Every little kid wanted to come and hug me and just, just be around me. Was, I, I can't just describe to you how awesome that felt. It just made me miss my own kids that much more. Um, but anyway, as we're getting ready to leave, that, that same little girl that was sitting all by herself, she. She comes to me this, this day and holds my hand and um, doesn't say much except, I want to pray for you. Um, that just struck me, the fact that this little girl wanted to take her time to pray for me. Um, if you guys don't know God, go there and see these kids and you'll see God. And if you do feel moved to go, I would highly encourage you to either talk to Jay or Jim so they can figure out how, how you can play a role in this place. The end. Morning, everyone. Um, most of you know me. Um, if you don't, last Sunday you might have been here and heard a Jay preach, or you might have heard it online. I think he might have mentioned once or twice or like 10 times 
um, that I left him with our two little kids, uh, and he bravely and sacrificially took care of them while I was probably drinking chai out in Bombay. But I won't get into that right now. <laughs> but I, um, the minute I got on the plane, and this is an aside, I'll get back to what I was going to say. Um, I know that several of our team members mentioned this, but I know that for those of us who went, um, for those of you who stayed behind, we know it came at a sacrifice. It came um, with great love, and I feel like going there, the encouragement we received from you, and coming back, the joy that we have felt from all of you has just been incredible. Just being, my soul care group was subject to me talking for two hours straight. Um, and it's not my story, so I didn't feel bad, but just how warmly you have received us. We, and I know people said it, but I cannot stress it enough. We felt your prayers there. Anything from the unity that we felt within our group, we were told by so many people, the enemy can work in so many ways, and just for protection and unity and peace amongst ourselves, and for all that he did, we know you backed us up with your prayers. So thank you for what you have done for us, for sacrificing your time, many of you are your money, and just, just thank you. Um, um, you know, before I went, honestly, I didn't know. I have been hearing stories. People have seen this book called The Cage Book, which I had heard so much about. And I'm like, what book is this? I had no, so honestly, I did not know what I was getting myself into or where I was really going. And many people mentioned New Bombay, which was the first day of our clinic. And if you read my blog, I did uh, talk about it. At the end of the clinic, Jilu had started taking pictures and she was singing with the little kids. These kids just wanted to sing and sing and sing. So, of course, I ended up sitting there with them and sang, and then they just seemed so interested, and I asked them, do you want to learn a song? And they were excited. I taught them a song, and then they ran away. Again, if you read the blog, I'm sorry, this is redundant, I'll keep it short. But um, they, you know, they ran away, and I was sitting there, I thought they were gone, and I started crying. I just started crying quietly because, um, like so many people mentioned, these children were six, seven, I don't know how old. They were so young, and all I could think about, God, it's almost evening. It's getting dark. Where are they going tonight? Are they going to be under a bed somewhere while their mom's working? Or are they going to be walking the streets like so many other kids are because mom's working? And my heart just broke. And one of the girls came back, and I thought they were gone, but she came back, and she noticed that even though I tried to wipe, wipe away my tears, she said, teacher, why are you crying? I said, no, 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 I'm not crying. She said, yeah, you're crying. And I said, I'm just happy to see you. Then she's like, why are you crying? Then I said, you, have, you all have made me so happy. And then she accepted that, and she ran away. I didn't, ha I didn't know how to tell them that my heart was breaking because... I, I just could not imagine. And of course, like all the parents on the trip, all we could think about was our own children and just to be able to see these children and not know what was going on. Um, that was the second day of our trip. From that point on, uh, you know, the first day I just felt the horror, the, the reality of the situation was just in our faces. And all I could do is, why God? What is this? This is this just, what is this? But... The, the following, the rest of the week, we spent at this place called Ashagram, where it's a village where a lot of these women, children, they've all been rescued. About three hours, they live out of M Mumbai. 
And that, those three, four days, I really got to hear story after story after story. And all these girls that we had seen in the brothel, brothels itself, just painted makeup. Um, you know, it was hard to see underneath all that, that makeup and everything. But once we got to Ashagram, you saw the beauty of these women, these, the beauty of these girls. No makeup, nothing, just beauty, you know? And it was beautiful. And I heard story after story of how they had been rescued from physical slavery, but not one of them would tell you their story apart from what Christ had done for them. So I didn't hear stories of just res being rescued from slavery or physical bondage, but I heard stories of how Christ had rescued them from bondage of, uh, of bondage spiritually, and they had experienced healing in Christ. They had the peace of Christ. They had the joy of Christ in their lives. They, were, they had experienced forgiveness and healing in Christ, and so they were, they were able to forgive all those that had wronged them and had gotten them to that place in the, in the first place. And you could not take Jesus out of that picture because their story would be so incomplete. And I'm not saying that. They would tell you that. There was not one story minus Jesus. So that whole week, I, feel, I felt like on Monday I left in despair. And there was just such a burden. But then throughout the rest of the week, I started seeing hope. It just... I started seeing what Christ was doing, what Christ was doing through Bombay Teen Challenge and through all the lives there. And then on Monday, the following Monday, we got to go back to Kamatipura, or KMP as they called it. And a few of us were left behind, so we were there doing the clinic. And can I tell you, the horror existed. The horror, nothing had changed. The horror in all these alleys of what was going on, it was still going on. Nothing had changed since we had gotten there the week before. But you know what? And I'm not trying to minimize what was going on. I'm not trying to minimize uh, the horror of the situation. But I felt like by that point, I was able to see beyond the horror. I was able to see Christ who was able to do something and he was making a difference in that place. So I was able to rejoice in knowing that one life at a time, one lady at a time, one person at a time, women and children or men are being rescued from bondage of physical slavery, but finding freedom in Christ. And I was left to come back with great hope in my heart. And I know that we say, you know, Vicki shared it in this in a church here, we keep talking about being on mission here, and, um, you know, and I was reminded there's a physical slavery there, but we cannot forget there is a slavery that exists in our midst, the slavery and bondage of sin, where people are held down by so But We, there are so many of us who are being held down by the enemy, but Christ wants to set us, set us free. And there is healing and there's forgiveness. And I did not, I cannot take that out of the picture because I feel like my sharing would be incomplete. And I feel like for those of us who are called to go, Jim and Lena will be going, and Lord willing, many more of us will go. But the rest of us who are called to stay, look around. Ask God to open our eyes to see the bondage and the slavery that exists here so that we can be part of 
the rescuing from slavery into his freedom. And just wanted to share this last, this one verse. On, uh, it's from 2 Corinthians 1. Ajay just read it today. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Amen. You know, I've been reading this book um, <clears throat> called The Beautiful Forever by Catherine Boo, and it's talking about the undercity of Bombay. <clears throat> and when I read it, it's just uh, filled with despair. Um, and it's talking about the poor, and, it, and she writes so well, um, as if it's a story. She writes as if it's a, as a story, a fictional story, but uh, the horrible truth is that it's real. <clears throat> and, it, and it speaks one by one of an individual um, and how they're just, they run just to survive and hope is not in, in the parameters that have been given to them. And some of them are young boys that are scavengers that, that pick up recycled material and they fight against stronger poor people that steal from them. And all they do is just try to get enough for a meal for them. And they're about five or six years old and they can't rely on their parents because their father is, is a drunkard and has spent all his money um, on just alcohol. And so they're just fighting at the age of five or six for their survival. And all I can just think is a, a despair and hopelessness. And then we understand that it's so real that it's not just this um, author that's writing a book to get it published. And you, you hear of this and, and it's easy, I think, to understand 100,000, 70 to 100,000, just sort of that's a mass amount and you just walk away. But these, these are real individual lives that are living uh, such, such a nightmare that we think can only happen in the movies. And so um, it's easy to be hopeless in the situation. So it was, um, it was just really joyful for Lena and I to hear about this trip. And you know, I had written in, in the blogs about it. And it was just great to start reading the reports. Um, and, and, I, and I was just so excited to listen to all of you share also. Um, and I feel like it was just beautiful and, and, and it became really complete even when Wince was sharing. The story just gets good and it gets only rich and deep when you understand that God is at the center of this story, right? That he is in the center of transforming this because anything short of it leaves something, something missing. Um, and, and Sue talked about Sandeep. I've had a chance to get close to him. And everything is right, like five, at the age of five or six, he get, became addicted to drugs. Uh, and she spoke briefly about it. When BTC um, came into it, he, they rescued him uh, three, three times, meaning he was brought back, brought out of it. And, and despite the fact that he's living in the squalor, he chose to run, run back to it, right? And just so true of our lives and of, of, of sin, right? That we're brought into glorious light and yet we like to live in the squalor. And so, but, but the folks came back a second time and he was brought back and then he ran away again. And then the third time, Devraj went into the slums and picked him up and he said, there's got to be something that these guys know and really want to tell me for them to come back three times. You know what, I guess I'll stay. Um, and in that, the gospel became real in his life. So, and last summer we got to go and to, um, and to see him get baptized. And it was just, you know, I was just tears coming down. Like, Lord, like, here was a guy that was in, in this nightmare, headed for nightmare, and you just took him out. And you took him out and you changed the trajectory of his life. Like, how 
good and how glorious you are. And so what does the gospel do? The gospel, what it does is it makes the last scene of the slumdog millionaire look really weak. It makes it just look, Psh, man, I got a story that ends a lot better than that. You know, in, in the slumdog millionaire, it's <clears throat> a guy that runs and rescues a girl, or is it the girl that rescues a guy? I'm not sure. But nonetheless, there's this last dance scene. Um, I've seen the dance scene, but it's not because um, some weak person has tried to rescue the other. It's that the king of the kings has rescued, has come down and rescued those that were without hope and those that had no chance of survival. Like, I feel it's hard for us to comprehend in the U.S. what that looks like because, you know, for, the, for children of immigrants, we know America is a life of hope. My mom came here with $7 in her hands, my dad just a few dollars more, and they worked hard and they worked hard and they prayed and an opportunity came and opportunity came and, and then they brought us to a different place. So we just know what it is to have hope. You just work hard, you pray, and you do this. But in a place like that, you, could, you, don't, you stop hoping after a while because that's just an evil twist um, that's not afforded to you. But when God comes, he literally comes and just changes the trajectory of your life and just gives you, puts hope and life in you. Um, and so it has been exciting for us to hear this because ever since Lena and I have gone, we've been wanting to, to tell you the story of what it looks like, what God is doing. Um, and, and he is doing something amazing and he is doing something um, really uh, transformative. And, and I feel it, it makes me understand uh, the story of Moses so much more. It, Moses, but God, you do not understand. I can't even speak a sentence without stuttering. And God says, you fool, it's not you, it's me. I'm going to do this, right? And it's for Lena and I and for, for Selma wrote, who are we that we could come against an establishment that's so profitable? If you, if you look at the economics of the situation, and some of the ladies will tell you, there's, it's just an beautifully lit economically, right? Like they charge customers a certain amount during the day and it's prime during night. Rent is a certain amount and, it, and there's a lot of profit to be made in this. So who are we to go against all these people and to destroy something? But, but the Lord is in the plan of rescue and restoring and he is gonna transform a city. And so, you know, we're, we're scared but we're excited to go and we just can't wait to, to walk with you guys in this journey. And then one day, one day our children be able to, will be able to take their children to this place and they'll be like, listen, you know that once this city and this place was really dark and it was just so shady and up and I had to walk carefully walking around to see what it was like. And they'll be just so, it'll be so different that they'll be like, get out of here. You're just joking, it can't be because this place doesn't look anything like that. And we trust that that is gonna happen because God is in the move and God is rescuing, God is gonna transform. And we're just get to be so honored to be a part of that. I just wanted to end um, <clears throat> just by reading this verse from Isaiah 58. <clears throat> is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of the wickedness, to undo straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless Pour into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. So uh, I just pray that this will not just be an experience that we have because I'll be selfish, uh, but that we'll call 
and move to prayer and say, Lord, would you allow us to be a part of this amazing plan? Uh, again, I just, I'm so grateful for this church and this body of believers. I hope you are encouraged. And uh, as Shibu said, if you do not know the Lord, I hope you have heard of him today. And as you have heard how he changes lives, hope you are encouraged to hear how he can change your life. If you do know the Lord, then I hope you are encouraged to hear again of what you are called to and what God has given to you. Let me read you one verse, and then I'll go back to 2 Corinthians 1. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this, everything you just heard, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Therefore, for our sake, he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is what you've heard this morning. God has reconciled the world to himself through Christ and taken us who have been reconciled to God and given us the message of reconciliation. All right, First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 1, let me just remind you again the verse we started with, the verse we sent this team out with, the verse we remembered as they came back. It said this, You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. So we've done two out of the three parts of this verse. We have helped them by prayer. Now we've seen the blessing that was granted through the prayers of many. And Paul says all of that was so that many will give thanks. So that's all that's left to do. We have prayed and helped by prayer. We've now heard back of all the blessings granted through our prayer. Now we get an opportunity to, for many of us to give thanks to God for what we've heard. So as we close our time, that's all we want to do. I want to invite us to just pray. All of you to give God thanks, but some of you who are led by God's Spirit to just say a sentence or two. We're preaching through prayer. If you've heard anything over the last few weeks, God is not impressed by us as though we have to put on a show. We come to God as children, as real as we can be. And so if you can give God a sentence of thanksgiving for bringing the team safely, for hearing our prayers, for anything that you've heard, for you who have heard, for you who have gone, let's now give thanks to God for the blessings granted through many. So let's take a moment now and pray. I'd encourage you to speak a sentence or two and give God thanks.